Welcome to Shaping Healthcare, a podcast by Sidious Tech. Some of the great minds in the world are constantly striving to solve the healthcare industry's greatest challenges with technology, creativity, and agility. With every episode of the Shaping Healthcare podcast, we will take you deeper into the world of healthcare and life sciences and give you a perspective into what it takes to build a human-first, technologically-enabled healthcare world. I'm your host, Laurel Rockle. Joining us today is Vaishali Nambiar, Executive Vice President at Sidious Tech. Vaishali boasts a remarkable journey within Sidious Tech, climbing the ranks from solution architect to her current executive role. Her tenure at Sidious Tech has been marked by a dedication to driving innovation in healthcare technology with a specific focus on digital transformation strategies. Vaishali's expertise is not just technical, it extends into strategic partnership development with key healthcare players, ensuring that technology solutions not only meet the current demands, but also shape the future of healthcare. Alongside Vaishali, we have Babu Dandapani, Senior Vice President of Health Plans at Sidious Tech. Before joining Sidious Tech, Babu spent an impressive 26 years at Cognizant, where he honed his skills and expertise, particularly in healthcare technology and strategic business unit management. His role at Sidious Tech involves navigating the intricacies of digital innovation in healthcare with a keen focus on enhancing patient experiences and driving growth through next-generation technology, analytics, and AI. Vaishali and Babu, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Look forward to talking to you. Thank you, Laurel. Thanks for having us today here. Very happy to have you and talking about how we generate productivity with Gen AI and very excited to hear from both of you with your extensive expertise and something I always like to ask my guests. I'm always very curious about the journeys that led our different experts to their specific fields. And so Vaishali, I'd like to start with you. What drew you specifically to healthcare and its technological innovations? Honestly, it's been a very interesting journey for me. As you already said, Lauren, the journey at Statistic has been a long one for me. It was by chance that I got to know of Sidious Tech. It was a very small company then. I was looking to, at that stage in my career, I was trying to look at uh, exciting roles to play. I wanted to do something different, something which uh, made an impact. And I happened to learn about Sidious Tech and rest, as they say, is history. So when I got to know the vision of Sidious Tech to work in the healthcare world and to ensure that, you know, there is an impact to human life. That was how we started talking about what we were doing at Sidious Tech. So the meaningful impact to human lives. And that's what uh, struck a chord. And that's how I thought I must join this company. And while I was not actually working on the healthcare space before that, it was definitely something that drove me and made me excited to understand what we could do in this space. And that's how I joined Sidious Tech and that's how I got into this field. It has always been very interesting because it is an industry which is less digitally or technologically friendly. Technology took a long time to be adopted. And, you know, in the early years of my career at Sidious Tech, we really saw the struggles. And that's where I felt like what we are doing will make a difference and the innovation and the changes that we bring to the table will definitely 
make an impact to the larger world. You know? So that's how it came all about. And today, it's obviously been a very, very enriching and a fulfilling journey. That's wonderful. I th- that's the main thing I hear from everybody in healthcare that, that leads them to healthcare is that wanting to make an impact and making a difference. And so thank you very much. Very interesting journey, Vishali, for sure. For me, I mean, I started as a software engineer, right? So obviously there was no focus on any particular domain. It was more getting into an industry and trying to understand how it is being delivering software to simplify things that are happening in the real world, right? But when I got into my uh, job in the initial years, I started realizing that we are adding value to some way or the other to the human lives, right? So I started developing that kind of a skill set, combining both the domain perspective, which means the business side of it, and taking the technology to resolve many of those uh, the, the functional business problems, right? So I started developing some kind of stickiness, specifically with healthcare, primarily because I had an opportunity to work with. And when I started looking at those challenges that they are going through, right? If you look at the healthcare industry per se, in a way, adopt the technology trends upfront. They are laggards, right? So when comparing to the retails or the banking kind of a sectors, they are always slow in, in terms of adopting those technology trends. Somehow, it kind of created an interest in me. Why are we not using such kind of a technology trends to make sure that we are able to deliver a better value to human lives? Because at the end of the day, that is more important. So that is how I started uh, learning more and more about healthcare and started uh, relating between the technology trends that obviously in the 26-year career, so I've seen a lot of escrows where the technology has actually evolved, whether it is from mainframe to a client server or even uh, into, into cloud or mobile computing and things like that. There are quite a few transformations that have happened. And uh, my focus has always been how do I take these technologies and put it into business solutions and make healthcare better place. That was my ambition all along in my 26-year career. So that is what is exciting me to be in this particular uh, business segment. Uh, Excellent. Asking the question and how can we solve it? How do I use my expertise to help solve this problem and make the world a better place, add value to human life on earth? That's That's fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And sometimes I feel like it's a... For some people, their journey can be very linear and can see exactly how that plays out. And sometimes it's just like learning bits in different fields as you go until you end up where you are. So thank you for that. And as we take this conversation into productivity using Gen I in healthcare technologies, I want to start with you, Babu. In your extensive experience, which you just laid out for us, thank you. How do you perceive the role of generative AI when it comes to revolutionizing the process of engineering and product development, particularly within healthcare technology? Interesting question. My opinion, Gen.AI today is evolved, honestly, right? So as we speak, I mean, there are quite a few things that are happening within the Gen.AI as a technology. A lot of developments, whether whether in terms of Gen.AI as a tool or as an innovation, as an idea, it is still evolving. How is it being used within a healthcare industry from a security point of view or different aspects, right? So it's all still evolving. Leaving that aside, right? The potential that it has seems to be enormous, especially when it comes to developer productivity and product development aspects of it, right? In my personal opinion, 
the one thing that stands out is the sheer speed in which it can iterate through whatever ideas that we are putting in, whatever solutions that we are putting in, validating whether that particular solution is good or not, and provide whether it is an, an optimal design or validating whether the configuration is accurate, whether it can be changed for better, or even building a block of code with a more robust, secure coding practices. The speed in which it is able to identify and give us the feedback is what is amazing me. Very clearly an indication for us to improve the productivity significantly from a developer point of view. But when we talk about Gen AI, do we really not talk about only about the productivity? But there are a lot of other things as well, right? Within healthcare, if I look at it, the amount of data that we have today on healthcare is massive. And I don't think we have solutions that can go through the entire data and make a meaningful outcome out of it. That, in my opinion, is going to be a biggest differentiator in AI. What I'm looking at is more about take the data, at least whatever publicly available, see how we can create a meaningful output for the end user to consume it. So, my opinion, I truly believe that AI has a great vision and is going to create a big impact both from a developer productivity point of view as well as from a business impact point of view. Yeah, there's having those tools. And I think with all these, with some of the people that I've talked to when we're talking about Gen AI, it's here, right? It's something in the future. It's something that's already being implemented now. And, and as you mentioned earlier, Babu, it's healthcare sometimes seems to be the late adopter of some of those technologies. And speaking with a lot of my guests, it's seen just how much that you guys are doing. It's really amazing and how that is developing over time. And Vaishali, when we're looking at some of these tools, kind of pass the torch over to you for a moment. And considering these advanced capabilities of tools like Copilot, Code Whisperer, can you elaborate on whether just implementing these tools is enough? Is that a, enough to boost productivity and to get you where you want to go? Or is there a more nuanced strategy that is required for effectively utilizing these tools? Again, you know, Lauren, this is a good question because this is the question that everybody's asking today. And obviously, the answer is still evolving. But let me give you my perspective. Definitely, these tools, they are right here right now, available to everybody. These are disruptive technologies that are now going to change the way the world is going to write code in the future. Having said that, obviously, it's not very simple, direct productivity gain that one can see and take that code and there's no magic wand. So obviously, there is going to be a lot of uh, stuff that has to be managed in order for us to actually take the benefit of these tools. So these tools are there. They are going to help us. There is a certain purpose uh, that they will serve. but it would also mean that there are a lot of other nuances that one needs to take care. The biggest one, of course, in healthcare would be data security. So how are these tools going to ensure that whatever we are doing these tools, the data is not actually shared? How do we maintain that data? How is it that developers would use this tool without compromising client or providers, data, or information. So that is number one. Apart from that, there are simple things like 
is the code that is generated using these tools actually meeting the entire set of requirements that one has? What is the quality of the code? Is it actually optimal? Would some individual developer write better code? Answer would be probably yes, but is it good enough for an average uh, developer to write code? The answer may be that yes, it does help an average person. So how to measure this productivity is another topic in itself, but there would be a lot of little, little areas that we will have to worry about before we can comment on the the real productivity gain. Yes, as you look at the first initial instances of the code, whatever we've seen, we've seen productivity gains and definitely so. But when you look at it end to end, what is the kind of stuff we are doing? Is it migration work? Is it new development? Is it very complicated code? Is it real simple mundane stuff? All these are the questions that one would want to ask before we could say whether the productivity is there. And Obviously, the most important thing at the end of the day is to understand what is the ROI or the cost benefit that we're getting if we are using some of these tools. Are we able, I mean, how do we ensure that the licensing costs are actually, it's like the cloud, right? When cloud came and everybody wanted to use the cloud, but gradually people learned that the cost of using cloud solutions is could become very high if it's not managed well, if there is no oversight as to how the cloud instances are being run, are they really being switched on, switched off, are they up or down, are they, what are we doing, what is the computing power that we're using. So similarly, even here, there has to be a cost-benefit analysis. What are the licensing tools? What is the cost of the licenses that we're going to use? Eventually, everything is, right now, everything is free, but it's not going to be so for the long term. So are we going to integrate these? What are the cost of those licenses? What is the training cost? How are we going to use People, how are we going to train people to actually standardize their work? If there is some stuff which is reusable coming out of these tools, then how do we maintain those repositories, the learning, so that when it's being used again, we actually take the benefit of some of these things? So there are a lot of these little, little nuances that need to go in, and it's going to be an evolving and a learning experience for everybody. So the answer to it is uh, yes, these are great tools. But it will be, it'll take some time before we actually see the real benefit and productivity improvement through these tools. Yeah, not just here's some software, here's our tools, let's implement those. There's a, definitely a long term strategy there. And especially as all these things are emerging over time and as we're learning, as they implement and as they grow, as that technology grows. That's fascinating. And Babu, for you, with having that as your background. Do you have any thoughts on that question as well? Pretty much, I think Vaishali covered it. My uh, point of view is also in similar thoughts. It is going to evolve, but it's evolving very fast. Sooner we need to figure out uh, identifying the productivity improvements for us to showcase it, for us to probably the first one to talk about it, right? There are always people in the market who can talk about it pretty fast and uh, take the share out of what is available in the market. Vaishali, you mentioned a moment ago with the data security and security being a big question. I think for from the developer to the organization that's using healthcare technology solutions to the end user, the the patient, I would just say as myself, if I was using some technology for my healthcare uh, portals, patient portals, these sort of things, the question is always, is my data safe? Is safe to you? Is this okay? And So when we are approaching these complex challenges of data security, 
and compliance and intellectual property protection and all these questions that come up when we're implementing Gen AI. How does Sidious Tech approach these solutions and their solutions and services? So again, Laurel, coming back to what I just said earlier, it is still an evolving space. And for us, data security, generally, just even not forget data. I mean, even if it is just code security, like we're using, we work for our customers. Our customers have their IP. You know, everybody's heard about the whole Samsung story and they have their code kind of, their IP actually got publicly shared through some of the developers and things like that. So these are real issues. We are concerned because it could cost us a lot in terms of time, money, effort, trust, credibility, and all other things, right? So it becomes important as an organization for us to really put some strategy around some of these things, put in some checks and balances to ensure that we are able to manage data better. So what we are doing at least initially as a company is we are making sure, number one, that access to these tools is very, very controlled. People who are take, using these tools for any kind of real work or a proof of concept or anything is actually monitored, number one. Uh, number two, we are doing a lot of trainings across the organization. So it's across the rank and file. We are making sure that there are a lot of awareness campaigns. There are trainings and people are also made to take a test to comply with what it would be to use Gen AI tools. What are the do's and don'ts? What would you do? What wouldn't do? How would you manage it? So all of these things, uh, we are doing it very, very consciously and systematically as an organization to ensure that we respect the sensitivity that everybody, all our stakeholders would have. So whether it is our clients, whether it is our team members, whether it is actual end users, patients, providers, everyone has to feel comfortable. Like you said, you wouldn't be happy if you are not sure how your data is going to be used, right? You wouldn't want your data to be compromised. Similarly, uh, everybody would have the same concern and therefore we want to make sure that we allay some of these and therefore we are taking in some of these preventive steps as an organization proactively we are doing it so that when let's say we are having something which is going to be production ready then there is we don't have to worry about these little things towards the end we are we're already well prepared for something so yeah that's yeah excellent yeah it sounds like definitely have your things in place with it and when it comes to the other side of security i think another concern that comes up a lot for those who are employees is job security and so for you, Babu, when the face of this rapidly advancing AI technology, how do you manage and mitigate the concerns of engineering teams regarding their job security? What kind of strategies do you employ to take them to embrace AI as a tool rather than a threat? Absolutely. I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges that we need to go through. But in my opinion, again, as I said earlier, right, so this industry has gone through a lot of these S-curves and we have seen how the transformation happens and how do we make sure that our employees are trained adequately for them to be prepared for embracing such S-curves. So we have enough expertise in doing that. In similar lines, right, so we have been doing the enough campaigns internally within our organization to make sure that our associates understand what Gen AI brings and why is it important for us to know and learn about this, right? 
again i've been talking to many of our associates not just as associates even outside of our organization right the interesting thing is that college grads the adoption of gen ai in them is significant and pretty easy they're pretty quick in, in terms of understanding these technologies and they've been using that for their development in fact and in fact interestingly my own personal experience my son is in college and i've been having some conversation about copilot and code whisperers he has been talking much more than what i know so very very interesting i learned a lot of things from him as well so that's the kind of attitude that the employees that associates the newbies are showing today in terms of learning the technologies my worry is about people who are into industries probably with 2 3 years of experience up to 5 6 7, 7 years of experience right so who are kind of into a particular job and do not really want to move away from that particular job right so that's where the challenge is going to be and we need to probably spend a lot more time in terms of training them making them understand and ensure that they are able to use those tools in the right way as well so that's where we are spending a lot of time again just to reiterate i don't see this as a threat definitely a great opportunity for all of us to use the technology in the right way and make it count and i think it's time for us to embrace that rather than worrying about what it is going to do absolutely that's very well said and yeah i could imagine how our younger generations those coming out of school and these early adopters of technology are on board and ready to go with it but yeah it's definitely i think that knee jerk or that reflexive reaction to AI for somebody in that field who's maybe been in the field for a long time might maybe a little hesitant like well wait is this going to replace anything but i love that the conversation that always happens around that has always been that using these tools like well as a toolbox just another tool in your toolbox to help you do your job better and more efficiently and and also speaking with some developers is that things can streamline a little bit quicker for them to allow them to focus on the development that heart of the job that they really love and so i love that answer thank you very much and also just to continue on with you for a moment when we are in this environment that is increasingly dominated by ai solutions how do you see that balance between technological efficiency and then the human creativity playing out especially in terms of product innovation problem solving creation there very true so i think the immediate thinking that we all have uh, once genia start giving the code base or probably enabling the developer to do a job that they are currently doing the traditional way of doing it right so they we all immediately think that it's going to suppress the kind of creativity that they are having today no i don't think so right in my opinion again the kind of role that the developer is doing today is kind of shifting the important piece is about making sure that the developer understand that shift and making sure that they are able to embrace that particular change management and be able to cope up to the new kind of a role that they are going to play again i feel that the developers today who are primarily focused on technology and what needs to be developed is going to change a bit and start thinking about the business solutions right rather than just focusing only on technology because genai is going to assist them do the better job of coding it but now their focus is going to be on business solutions so their creativity is going to be enhanced by shifting and start looking at the business part of it right so that's my view definitely it is not going to suppress but it is going to increase the kind of creativity that they are going to have and probably bring out lot more solutions for the current business problems 
Yeah, it's going to be really exciting to see how that all plays out and uh, as developers are allowed to, yeah, as you said, like be more creative what they're doing for Vaishali here in the context of generating or integrating Gen AI. How does Sidious Tech measure and assess their productivity and its impact? What metrics or indicators do you find that are most indicative of success in that area? Uh, again, a very, very relevant question, Laurel. So it is very important because if we are going to use, so like Babu said, these are all tools, these are enablers. If they're going to use any kind of an enabler, there has to be some uh, you know, ROI or some benefit in terms of time, money, effort, whatever it may be. So few things that we, we believe that will help uh, is to put certain metrics call those out and, you know, track them. So the few that we have initially taken, at least is the quality of the output in terms of the accuracy and the relevance of the code that comes out of these tools. This is the first thing because that's what we are first going to see, right? I mean, the code is going to be produced based on what prompt a developer or an engineer will give. And that code quality has to actually address the requirement. So what is the accuracy in terms of the requirement that we want to solve for? What is the relevance of that code? Is it written optimally or is it, you know, could it be better written by an individual rather than the tool? Is the second thing that we want to look for. So that is the output quality that will be measured. The next thing is the efficiency. So efficiency is like, what is the time it would take to process that code? How performant is that code? That would be another thing. The third thing that we are currently looking at or would want to kind of consider is, again, the kind of security that the code provides. So that will be an indicator. Is it like secured code? Is the code is the taking care of all the compliances that one would want as part of healthcare especially? So that becomes important. And last but not the least, the maintenance and the maintainability of the code. Is that code going to be, is it easy to read? Is it easy to understand? What is the documentation level that is coming with the code? Is it possible for somebody else to run the code and maintain the code later in once the code goes into production? So I think those are important things that we are looking at. We want to make sure that while we're using the tool, while we are using any tool that comes out, is that tool going to actually benefit business, our customers, our stakeholders, and obviously the individuals who are working? So that's what it is. So like Babu said, the, the young lot is very excited. They know what to do. But the creativity will come in really making sure that the code quality and the kind of stuff that comes out is actually useful and is actually going to be out there when it goes into production. So yes, those are the few things that we are looking at. And Babu, if you want to add something, but these are some of the important factors that we are measuring, right? Thanks, Vaishali. I think you covered it beautifully. So the only thing that I would be interested in while we are measuring all these things, right? Definitely the work nature is kind of shifting. The code base is kind of getting developed by Gen AI. Now, the review time of the generated code is going to significantly increase. Somebody experience have to seriously look at whether it is appropriate code or can that be still fine-tuned? Maybe we'll use the prompt engineering to prompt that for more accurate answers, right? 
So obviously the kind of review effort is going to go up. So I'd be keen to understand how is that shifting and what kind of knowledge or what kind of skill set that we need to develop for us to do that kind of a review is something that I wanted to share because we need to build our own workforce in that particular line so that we are able to do an effective job. And could either of you provide any sort of real life examples of how those metrics and how you're looking at these solutions have translated into tangible improvements or innovations within your projects at Sidious Tech? So far, we have done small scale, whatever we have been able to do. We haven't gone ahead and built an entire system or a solution, which we have put into production. So it is an evolving space, as we said. So far, uh, what we have observed is that in the code generation, the basic code generation. So for example, if it is repetitive code, where we know that the prompts are easy to give, it's not a lot of complexity. So it's from low to medium complexity code. If we are able to generate that, we have seen that we are able to get around 10 to 12% improvement in the productivity. For code where there, for kind of code where there's migration app, migration again is in a way simpler code because the requirement is clear and it's just, let's say, migrating to a newer technology and to a newer stack. There again, we are seeing around 15% of productivity gain. So we've seen these indicators, very early indicators, but these are some numbers that I can probably share based on what we have seen across the many projects that we've run. I wouldn't call them the final numbers or the real value because it's going to take time to come up and speak about it. But these are the early numbers that we see. Very true, Vaishali. I think I just wanted to share an example that we have done, right? Obviously, we have not done in any of the production customer environment because of different reasons. So a lot of security concerns and things like that. So we have kept most of our development and POCs outside of customer environment in a secure environment within CTS Tech uh, Place. One of the things that we tried mimicking is we are currently doing a greenfield development of a functionality for a customer. And we know what we are doing from a functional point of view. And we have taken a use case from there and replicated that entirely in our environment using GenAI, which is Copilot here, right? And we started recording the time that we are taking for each one of those pieces of work, right? So whether it is going to be an analysis or whether it's going to be in UI design, whether it's going to be in code development per se, or even the test cases part of it, we have done some automations using Copilot for that particular functionality vis-a-vis what we have taken time in a customer environment for building that particular application. And we have those comparisons very clearly called out. Again, what Vaishali said is absolutely right. This is one instance and based on a particular use case where we have seen a good amount of improvement in the development side of it. We got about 35% improvement uh, comparing to the traditional way of uh, development. Whether we'll be able to replicate the same thing in another use case, maybe not. So it will vary depending upon the complexity of and the kind of technology that we are using and things like that. But what we have done consciously is wherever we have done the POCs, we have tried documenting the kind of savings that we have gone through. So we have a repository and we are able to probably talk about the productivity improvement for a particular technology in that sense. But we need to wait for more data points for us to really say that hey, this is the real outcome or real productivity improvement that we can bring in for a particular technology. 
know, on the lighter note, we might just end up using AI to probably assess some of this data as well that we've collected. <laughs> Perhaps sometime. Well, we then, yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. Very interesting how that plays out for you. But thank you for sharing those examples. And and finally, if we're betting big, in air quotations there, if we're betting big on generative AI in healthcare, what are your individual predictions and what we might see in that for the next five years? Michelle, can I start with you on that one? Okay, so since it's a prediction, we can predict anything. But to be fair, I think the next four to five years, we do believe that this is going to bring about a lot of disruption there is going to be more and more use cases that people will identify to try the usage of Gen AI and applications of Gen AI. So today it's writing code, then it may be automating something, it may be running test cases, it may be deployment, and everything is it's the whole gamut, right? Even analyzing data, trying to monitor. So a lot of these things will become done through Gen AI tools. And I feel like the next four to five years is about how people are adapting quickly, the kind of creativity that people are going to bring in here and whoever moves fast probably will see a lot of advantage. So it is the first mover's advantage. But having said that, it's also time to sit back and learn from every experience. So the sooner one can take inputs from these and correct, post-correct, the better it might be for those organizations. So for us, we are trying to Look at how we use it, but in general, in across the industry, I think everyone's going to try and do some of these side things. So we will see how it goes, but definitely bullish about what this brings to the table in the next four to five years. Well, Vaishani talked about more from uh, developer productivity and things like that. I'm betting big on this GenAI, the LLMs, the large language models are going to do to. Use the data that we have today and uh, bring out something that will be useful and probably create better solutions, better uh, healthcare output and things like that. So that's where I'm going to be big on. Uh, data and Gen AI, the LLM models are going to play a huge, huge role in terms of transforming the entire healthcare industry, to be precise. Thank you both for your expertise and your knowledge in this area. It's going to be very exciting to see and this is for me outside <laughs> of healthcare technology, but just for me as maybe as an end user, I guess, is that just seeing where that ends up. And so thank you very much for your time today, for your expertise and your knowledge in the subject matter. It's been a real pleasure talking with you both today. Likewise, Doral, thank you so much. And I think the questions that you picked were also very interesting, very relevant. So hopefully this will at least have people thinking and then we will have more discussions around some. So thank you. Thank you very much, Laura. Thanks for having us in this podcast. I appreciate it. The Shaping Healthcare Podcast is brought to you by Sidious Tech, a leader in healthcare consulting and IT services. To find out more about Sidious Tech, visit SidiousTech.com. To listen to more interesting insights on healthcare technology and innovations, search and subscribe to the Shaping Healthcare Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want to share any feedback or would like to be featured in our podcast, do write to us at SidiousVision at SidiousTech.com. Sidious